support from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Ballot battle. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. Former President Trump is appealing a first-of-its-kind ruling in Colorado that kicks him off the primary ballot in 2024. That decision is on hold, though, pending a Supreme Court review. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley. The opinion is really chilling, and I think that the Supreme Court will make fast work of this. Uh, but I think this court, I think, did great damage to its own integrity uh, with this opinion. The Colorado Supreme Court says Trump violated the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment for his role in the January 6th Capitol attack. Here's legal analyst Jessica Levinson. This is stunning. The Colorado Supreme Court has found that those who seek to destroy our government from within cannot then represent it. Election law expert David Becker says Trump has a better than average chance of getting the Colorado decision overturned. For the United States Supreme Court to rule that a former president and current presidential candidate engaged in insurrection, that's going to be a pretty high bar to me. Republican presidential candidate Chris Christie says the Colorado decision sets a dangerous precedent. I do not believe Donald Trump should be prevented from being president of the United States by any court. I think he should be prevented from being president of the United States by the voters of this country. And I think it would cause a lot of anger in this country if people had the choice taken away from them. The U.S. Supreme Court must act soon. Those presidential primary ballots in Colorado must be printed no later than January 5th. Five deaths blamed on the nasty nor'easter that clobbered the East Coast this week. Correspondent Emily Aketa has the latest. First responders fanning out across a battered northeast as lingering floodwaters from Monday's monstrous storm continue stranding families. You see with the water starting to crest now, it's going to uh, only get worse before it gets better. With parts of Maine and New Jersey under states of emergency. Tens of thousands remain powerless in Maine and Massachusetts. Fox weather meteorologist Steve Bender says New York's North Country took a direct hit from this storm. And so you're talking to not a level surface. You're talking about this rushing and gaining intensity as it's moving down the mountains and the foothills, racing into the valleys, trying to just drain somewhere into whatever river or valley location. This is the rain that we saw. Southern Adirondacks, it is gone. Flood warnings continue today along the Susquehanna from Binghamton south toward Halstead, Pennsylvania. Flooding also continues to be a problem in parts of Tioga, Cortland, Delaware, and Otsego counties in New York, as well as Susquehanna and Bradford counties in Pennsylvania. The leader of Hamas is in Cairo today for talks with Egypt about the war in Gaza. That terror group's trying to negotiate a ceasefire as the death toll from the war exceeds 20,000. Israel says it is open to a temporary pause in the fighting if it means getting more hostages released. Reporter Trey Yink says the overarching question right now is this one. Who will control government aspects of life in Gaza once Hamas leadership is taken out? The Washington Post reports that a 20-page plan was created by the State Department and points to Palestinians controlling the enclave with international oversight. Israel says it has no plans to occupy Gaza once Hamas is no more. We're hearing from the other side of the border today about that new law in Texas that lets police arrest and send back to Mexico illegal immigrants. Correspondent 
President Adrian Bard is in Mexico City. Mexico's president called the law inhumane. He said Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who signed the law on Monday, is going to lose favor among Mexican-American voters in his home state. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick says the Lone Star State was forced to take action because the Biden administration is doing nothing to stop the invasion at the southern border. We are being invaded. We're fed up. In fact, seeing what happened in Colorado makes me think maybe we should take Joe Biden off the ballot in Texas for allowing 8 million people to cross the border since he's been president. The new law takes effect in March. The ACLU is suing to prevent that from happening. Concern is growing that toxic gas belching from a volcano in Iceland could lead to long-term problems. The BBC's Nick Beek. Experts worry the gases that continue to spurt out are polluting the air. But they say there won't be a giant ash cloud. It may be that the most memorable part of this Christmas performance is over, but they're not letting down their guard here. The volcano erupted two days ago, spewing fire 300 feet into the air on a peninsula less than 20 miles from the capital of Iceland, Reykjavik. Experts fear those violent explosions from deep underground could last for months. Still to come on the Noon Report, reaction to reparations, scholarship applications, and great expectations when it comes to electrifying New York. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams calling for some rather uneventful weather across our region today. I'll be back with a forecast looking toward the weekend coming up in 10. All right, Kevin, we'll check in with you then. Let's check the stories next that are making news across New York and Pennsylvania. New poll out today shows after a year in office, Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro enjoys the support of a majority of voters. 56%, according to the latest Commonwealth Foundations survey give him a favorable job review. That's down five points from September. Inflation, crime, and the economy, in that order, rank as the top three concerns of Pennsylvania voters. Critics contend slave reparations is the wrong recipe for racial reconciliation in New York. You can't take what we know now and try to superimpose yourself onto 150 years ago. That man reacting to Governor Hochul's decision to appoint a task force to look into paying reparations to the descendants of slaves. Social justice activist Nicole Carty says it's about time. You can see the unreckoned with impacts of uh, slavery in things such as black poverty, uh, black maternal mortality. Civil rights activist Al Sharpton. We still see blacks making 70 cents to every dollar whites make. A recent Pew poll shows while 77% of black Americans support reparations, just 18% of white Americans do. These white New Yorkers say reparations are the wrong message. The generation that would be paying for it have nothing to do with what was done in the past, and then you're paying people that have nothing to do with it in the past. We're all immigrants at some point, whether it was voluntary or forced. There's a lot of people who came a lot of different ways. And nobody needs a handout anymore. Everybody, you know, pulls themselves up by their own bootstraps and works for a living and makes their way in this world. Those for the reparations say it's about more than just money. Slavery, by the way, was outlawed in New York in 1827, 36 years before a nationwide ban took effect. That task force 
course, will have a year to come up with recommendations. Applications for New York's Excelsior Scholarship Program now available for the spring 2024 semester. This scholarship allows students to attend any SUNY or Cooney School for two or four years, tuition-free. They must come from homes, though, with an income of less than $125,000. Those applications will be accepted through February 2nd. Test scores for third through eighth graders in New York are improving. But are they really? Big question mark today. 48% are proficient in English. 52% are proficient in math. What I can't say is this proves that we are far better than last year, even though our results are far better than last year. Jamestown Superintendent Dr. Kevin Whitaker says it is hard to gauge what the test scores mean because the state keeps moving the goalpost for what proficiency means. What is important and what teachers want to see is, did my students learn the math that I taught them? And these tests don't necessarily take that into account. That's why classroom assessment and local assessments are so important. These test results for third through eighth graders are based on exams that were given back in May. New York is mandating school districts convert to electric buses within a decade. Western New York State Senator George Borello. Mandating electric buses is another, you know, just one segment of the ridiculous climate agenda that will bankrupt New York State and in the end do nothing to impact climate change. Morello is calling on the governor to rescind her all-electric mandate. Every school district that I've spoken to in my district is worried about trying to do this transition and the costs involved in it. The Republican representative says the electrification effort raises a lot of red flags. We don't even know if this is going to work, even if, if it's affordable. You've got tremendous challenges. The electrical grid, the infrastructure needed, most of these buses, the, the range on the ch single charge is only about 100 miles. There are approximately 45,000 school buses in New York right now, and fewer than 100 of them are electric. Yesterday, we told you that Pennsylvania leads the nation in terms of what food costs at the grocery store. Prices in the Commonwealth have jumped 8% from last year. That's led to a sharp rise in food insecurity. It should be shocking for everybody to, to know that there are so many people in our community who are food insecure, who do not know where their next meal is coming from. Brianna Watts with the second harvest in Erie, Pennsylvania. Approximately 30, 35% increase now uh, in the people and number of individuals that we're seeing each week, each uh, month. So it's been a very large uptick and a very quick uptick. Watts says the increase in food costs has impacted what hers and other food pantries are able to stock on their shelves for those in need in the Erie area. Police in Rochester, New York need the public's help in keeping up with the number of thieves who steal packages from people's porches. If you see something, say something. If we're not on every street at every waking moment, watch people take packages off porches. There's just there's, We're over 100 officers short. We can't be everywhere at once. And so we rely on that community that community input. Captain Greg Bellow says porch pirates are most often on the prowl between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Stealing something uh, from somebody's porch is a petty larceny, depending on the value. Uh, it is a larceny in New York State, and certainly depending on the value, it's either a, a misdemeanor or uh, a felony. And again, depending on the value of the product that's taken. He suggests instead of having Christmas presents,
presents delivered to your home, have them sent to your office. Air passengers in western Pennsylvania can be cleared for departure a bit easier now. The Pittsburgh International Airport is using new biometric technology to get people through TSA checkpoints faster. Those who apply for the clear service get to pass through a priority check-in lane without having to produce an ID. That service costs $16 a month. Lead pipes in the city of Buffalo are being replaced to reduce water contamination. As of last month, 2,000 lead service lines have already been replaced. The city is launching a new online map that lists where current lead service lines are, those that were replaced by copper pipes, and those that still have unknown materials. Meanwhile, the Environmental Protection Agency has announced a proposal that will require water systems across the nation to replace lead service lines over the next decade. Buffalo was one of the first cities in the nation to introduce an initiative of this kind and was already working on the system before the EPA announcement. Dee Haley, Family Life News. Thank you, Dee. Come January 1st, new marketing rules will take effect in New York for e-cigarettes and vaping products, which are wildly popular amongst young people. Ryan Whalen with Spectrum News. Starting in 2024, New York will begin to institute similar marketing rules for e-cigarettes and vapes as it employs for other tobacco products. Manufacturers and distributors will no longer be allowed to put brand names, logos, or other identifying markers on any product other than the actual e-cigarette. They will not be able to offer gifts connected to the purchase of e-cigarettes, and brands will be barred from sponsoring teams and events like sports games and concerts. Kent Sobris with the New York State Association of Convenience Stores says he supports the new law, but doubts its impact. Spending time focusing on, on marketing ploys and tactics, uh, maybe that feels good. It's not really effective. The way to do this, the way to get the, the, the products out of the hands of youth is to shut down the stores that sell them. While vaping continues to be a problem among kids, there is good news to report on that front. 580,000 fewer high schoolers used e-cigs last year. That's about a 5% decline from the year earlier. Sports next, it's the two-minute drill on the Family Life Noon Report. <laughs> Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snaley. Bob, we begin on the ice in Toronto. The New York Rangers extended their winning streak to three games after beating the Maple Leafs 5-2. Mika Zabanajad had bookend goals for the Blue Shirts with the game's first goal in the second period. Alex Lafreniere, Braden Schneider, and Artemi Panarin all scored before Zabanajad finished it off with an empty netter at the end of the contest. The Rangers sit atop the Metropolitan Division with 45 points at 22-7-1 on the season. The Islanders snapped a two-game skid with a 3-1 takedown of the Edmonton Oilers. The Isles got second-period goals from Simon Holmstrom, Bo Harvat, and Anders Lee. They went up 3-0 and then cruised in from there. Ryan Poling scored a pair of goals for the Philadelphia Flyers in the second period, and Owen Tippett rifled in the game winner in overtime. The Flyers edged New Jersey 3-2. Also skating the wins were the Wild, Blue Jackets, Lightning, Hurricanes, Canucks, Blackhawks, Coyotes, and Kings. To the NBA, Steph Curry had quite the night, leading his team back from a 17-point deficit to tie the game and send it into overtime against the Celtics. Curry scored 20 of his 33 points in the fourth quarter, and then he buried the clutch three-point shot to put the game away with 10 seconds left. 
132-126, Golden State over Boston. Celtics' five-game win streak's over. The Warriors now have a three-game winning streak. Portland, Milwaukee, and Memphis also picked up wins. And in baseball, Andrew McCutcheon is coming back for one more season with the Pittsburgh Pirates. The 37-year-old agreed to a one-year $5 million deal. He is just one home run shy of 300. That is a look at sports. All right, that's reason enough to come back. Thank you, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report, the latest on the ballot battle in Colorado. Why trafficking is such a problem this time of year. And Kev says, warm up on the way for Christmas. His forecast is yours in four minutes. Welcome to break. A daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. With the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Nearly a year after the COVID shutdowns began in the United States, the ABC affiliate in San Francisco ran this headline, quote, private schools opening in person where public schools are not, end quote. That was February of 2021. While the majority of private schools in California were back in person, most public schools were still distance learning. Around that same time, the Public Health Department in Toledo, Ohio, had ordered all schools back to distance learning for the winter, although local gyms, offices, and casinos were allowed to stay open. In response, a small private Christian school sued, and the Sixth Circuit decided in their favor. The school stayed open, while every public school in the area remained closed. Well, stories like that, of course, were repeated all across the country from the fall of 2020 through the end of the pandemic. Public schools, under the direction of teachers' unions and at times overzealous public officials, often stayed closed for weeks, months, in some cases years longer than private schools. Now the results are in from these experiments, and the data shows a devastating set of effects on children. Last month, the New York Times editorial board wrote that, quote, the startling evidence on learning loss is in. According to that piece, school closures set math and reading scores among nine-year-old students back by at least 20 years. The challenges, wrote the editors, have been compounded by an epidemic of absenteeism as students who grew accustomed to missing school during the pandemic continue to do so after the resumption of in-person classes, end quote. Well, tragically, too many public officials were taken in by a narrative that to contract COVID, even for kids at low risk for serious infection, was more dangerous than two decades worth of learning loss. Unfortunately, kids are now paying the price. And as this generation of kids gets older, society will increasingly pay a price too. The data on COVID-era learning loss reveals something else about children. The terrible numbers that we're now seeing were not nearly as terrible for kids with heavily engaged parents. This played out in multiple ways. In the cases of schools that reopened earlier than others, it was often the parents that were pushing the local officials. And for kids forced into prolonged distance learning, it was those with parents, parents who made sure that they showed up to the Zoom class and who helped them with homework that did best overall. Parents are the single most important factor in the education of a child. A healthy home is the most important ingredient for a successful life, all of which provides a remarkable opportunity for Christians to really make a difference in the world. The church has always cared about kids. The church has always cared about education. There's a reason those two things are connected. The state-centric way of trying to prepare a new generation of citizens, well, is just not fulfilling its promises. 
Thankfully, there are many Christians who are dedicated to serving kids as best as they can in and out of public schools. Others are innovating new ways to do school altogether, including starting Christian schools inside church buildings and in struggling communities. Others are advocating for school choice so that every family can afford to send their kids to schools that will serve them best and to which they can be best engaged. And others are working to provide resources and opportunities for those kids who are forced to remain within the public school system. All of which is why the Colson Center has doubled down on our investment into Christians who are called into the area of education. To this end, we've developed resources to help form teachers in a Christian worldview and to help them apply a Christian worldview to their work. Find out more and access free training resources at educators.colsoncenter.org. That's educators.colsoncenter.org. And if you believe in Christian education, you can support this work, resourcing more educators with a Christian worldview by giving at colsoncenter.org slash December. That's colsoncenter.org slash December. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Thank you, John. Outside we go next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. The call for this afternoon, plenty of cloud cover in New York, cloud and sun in a mix in Pennsylvania, high temps, 30s and low 40s. Tonight, some clouds. Late tonight, tomorrow morning, could be a flurry in parts of New York State. Low temperatures tonight, 20s to near 30. High temperatures tomorrow, 30s to near 40. And on Friday, partly sunny, with high temperatures in the 30s to near 40. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's going on. Wednesday, the 20th of December, former President Trump appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court, a decision in Colorado that kicks him off that state's primary ballot next year. Correspondent Robert Costa has the political fallout. What you're going to see now, based in my conversations with Republican sources, is that former Ambassador Nikki Haley and her allies, they're going to lean into that electability argument against Trump and say... As Haley has said in recent days on the campaign trail, that Trump equals chaos, even if you like him, if you like his policies, he's too chaotic to be the Republican nominee. The Colorado court says Trump violated the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment for his role on January 6, 2021. Here's legal analyst Laura Jarrett. There's been this raging debate in legal circles about whether this should apply to Trump or not. It's a great law school exam. It's a real disaster for the courts who say, look, we don't want to get involved in the political process. That should be up to the people. So does the insurrection clause apply to the president? Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment does indeed apply to the presidency. Um, and, and honestly, I think uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment has to apply to the presidency because if not, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Important to note here, the Colorado decision is on hold until the Supreme Court weighs in. So if the Supreme Court does not weigh in, Trump's name would still appear on the ballot. The high court must act soon, though. Those primary ballots in Colorado must be printed January 5th. Street-to-street fighting continues in Gaza between Hamas terrorists and Israeli soldiers. Reporter Trey Yinks. The United States reportedly wants Israel to wrap up this phase of the war by the end of the year. The Biden administration hopeful that a new lower intensity phase in the fighting could allow more humanitarian supplies to enter the Gaza Strip. Gaza's two million residents are facing starvation due to the war. 20,000 have been killed 
Israel says the war will continue until Hamas is no more. It fears by allowing the terror group to fester, it'll only embolden Iran and its proxies throughout the Arab world. The crisis at the place where the U.S. meets Mexico showing no signs of slowing down. Record numbers of illegals are crossing over into this country on a daily basis. The ACLU is suing over a new law in Texas, which allows police to arrest these illegals and send them back to Mexico. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. The law is incredibly extreme, and it does not make it does not make communities in Texas safer. It just does not. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick disagrees. We know that hundreds of people on the terrorist watch list have been apprehended. That doesn't count all the people we don't catch. That new law empowering police to arrest illegals takes effect in March in Texas. That volcanic eruption in Iceland is raising environmental concerns. Experts are worried about the plumes of toxic gas belching forth from the ground some 20 miles from the capital, Reykjavik. Here's the BBC's Nick Bleak. We're at the edge of the exclusion zone that's been set up to protect people here. The volcano is still burning bright. The government in Iceland saying for now it doesn't pose a risk to people living around here. Experts fear those violent explosions from deep underground could last for months. Violent assaults involving kids at school are on the rise. Child psychologist Thomas Kirstein says there's a direct correlation between crimes like these and social media use. He suggests moms and dads do not get your child a smartphone until well into their teenage years. I lecture about this all over, you know, this topic all over the country, and, you know, myself and other experts say that late adolescence is really the appropriate time, 16, 17, and the average age right now is 10 and a half. Kirstein says he has worked with troubled teens for 30 years and says he's never seen the level of depravity in kids like he's seeing today. According to the National Center for Education Statistics, fights between kids at school have risen more than 30% since the COVID lockdowns. Next at noon, why sex trafficking is such a problem this time of year. Family Life's Martha Manikis Foster does a deep dive on this week's edition of Inside Out. Welcome to Family Life's Inside Out, where we look at how God transforms his people from the inside out. I'm Martha Manikas Foster, and my guest today is Deb Keener. Deb's the executive director of the Potter's Hands Foundation, the Western New York nonprofit that's been serving survivors of sexual exploitation now for 10 years. So, Deb, for everybody, everything's off kilter at this time of year. Schedules change, uh, stress amps up, and sometimes blows up, and, and kids and teens have a lot more unsupervised time. How might some people be more vulnerable to trafficking at this time of year? And what should we be on the watch for so that we or someone we care about is not lured into trafficking? Anytime there's an increase in unsupervised time for kids and teens, the vulnerability to trafficking increases. COVID was a perfect example of this for adults and kids. Traffickers took advantage. Yeah. Traffickers took advantage of the global crisis, capitalizing on people's loss of income and the increased amount of time children and adults were spending online. Uh For many individuals, the holidays are a very stressful time and people are hungry for community. Uh, Vulnerable individuals will often look online to fill relationship gaps. They're Mm -hmm. so hungry for someone to pay attention to them and to love them that they'll open themselves up to strangers who may not be safe. I remember speaking with a group of foster kids a few years ago and just talking to them about the importance of having a single adult 
that they feel like they can connect with, that they can open up to, that they can share their hopes and dreams with. Because a lot of them have nobody, you know, they're bounced around from house to house Mm -hmm. and they don't have the stability of family. And I remember one young lady saying to me, how do we know that when we find that person, they're safe? That's so hard. I mean, it's hard for adults to know if a person is safe. Imagine being a young person who's never had any stable support in their life and trying to figure out who's safe and who's not safe. Right. If there's no no model for what really safe is, that would be so difficult. It just breaks my heart. You know, I think it's so important that we check on people during this time of year for so many reasons. Parents need to know how their kids are spending time online. They need to know what apps they have on their phones and what those apps are used for. So, for example, an app like Snapchat, it's a pretty common app. Everybody knows that the app can take videos and photos that disappear. But now there are new features, including stories that allow users to view content for up to 24 hours. Another app called Whisper is an anonymous social network that promotes sharing secrets with strangers. I mean, that's what they are trying to get kids to do. That's the point. You're saying that's the point. Yes. (sighs) It also reveals the user's location so that people can meet up. So once they've shared a secret, they know where they are. Right. The Meet Me app is a dating app that allows users to connect with people based on a geographic location, and users are encouraged to meet each other in person. And then, of course, there are a bunch of secret apps that probably a lot of people don't even know about. There's one called Calculator Percent. It literally looks like a calculator on your screen. The title is Calculator with a percent sign next to it. Mm-hmm. And the app is one of several secret apps used to hide photos, videos, files, and browser history. This is designed you know? specifically for parents who are looking over their child's shoulder to say, oh, well, this is just a calculator. Exactly. Because there, there are so many apps like that. I just encourage parents to Google information online on how to be educated about different apps and what their kids are using. Mm -hmm. It's so important that they do. And I also need to say that parents who think that their children would never do something like this need to check anyway, because I can't tell you the number of parents that have come to me and said, I never expected my child to do something like this. Mm -hmm. No parent expects it. A lot of times, you know, as Christians, we think that our kids have it all together and that they're not going to do anything that's going to get them in trouble. I mean, we'd like to think that. I know that my kids did things that Mm -hmm. they were curious and and they just want to know. And I think that kids can get in over their heads so quickly that they don't even know how it happened. So how can people listening help women who've been exploited, help them now at Christmas and even into the new year? Well, there are so many ways people can help now at Christmas time and into the new year. But I think one of the most important things people can do is pray for our residents. You know, often when you talk with someone and they say, how can I help? Or they'll say, you know, all I can do is pray. Well, prayer is Mm -hmm. the most important thing. We have seen the power of prayer do mighty things. And I know that it is the most powerful tool that we have on earth. So I encourage people to pray for our residents and our staff who are working with these women every day. In addition to prayer, there are many ways people can get involved with our ministry. We're always looking for volunteers. You know, if you are interested in getting involved with the Potter's Hands Foundation, we will find something for you to do. <laughs> All they need to do is reach out to us through our website. And that's the Potter's Hands Foundation.org. All together, the Potter's Hands Foundation.org. All right, thank you, Martha and Deb, doing great work there with the Potter's Hands. Uh, the name of that program, Inside Out, it comes your way Wednesdays during the noon report or online at Family Life. 
Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life Regional Weather Forecast. High pressure over southern Pennsylvania, producing a tranquil day today. We're watching a cold front dropping south from the upper Great Lakes. It might bring a flurry to a few spots later tonight or tomorrow, but no big ticket items are foreseen on the weather front anytime soon. The call for this afternoon, plenty of cloud cover in New York, cloud and sun in a mix in Pennsylvania, high temps 30s and low 40s. For tonight, some clouds. Late tonight, tomorrow morning, could be a flurry in parts of New York State. Low temperatures tonight, 20s to near 30. High temperatures tomorrow, 30s to near 40. And on Friday, partly sunny, with high temperatures in the 30s to near 40. All right, thank you, Kevin. Finally at noon, generosity exemplified in the Bay State. Family Life's Brian Query tells us what got dropped in one of those Salvation Army red kettles recently. While collecting money donated through red kettles across multiple Massachusetts locations, a member of the Salvation Army found a valuable surprise. Inside a kettle that was used to collect donations outside of a store in Waltham, Massachusetts, the volunteer found a wedding band, an engagement ring, and a note. The note from the anonymous donor read, This ring is being given in love for a second time. Like the first time, I hope that this ring will bring joy and make a difference. The rings are valued at an estimated $1,500. That value will be put directly towards helping families and others in need in the Waltham area this holiday season. A reminder of how the kettle is a sign of hope. Brian Query, Family Life News. Yes, it is. So please give generously, as they say. And that's the world we live in, Wednesday, December 20th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.